the Chicago Blackhawks have won the Stanley Cup and won the Stanley Cup for the second time in four seasons. The Chicago Blackhawks have won the Stanley Cup. What's up, everybody, and welcome to the first episode of Season 2 of the Talkin' Hockey Podcast. I am Jack Bushman here with Tony Janaris. Tony, thank you for joining me today, partner. It's been a while. Hey, Jack. Yeah, it's actually been a while. Was it been since about free agency started? Yeah, right around uh, the free agency period. So uh, we got a lot to discuss, a lot on the plate today. Uh, kind of just let the quiet part of the summer go by, and uh, here we are for the second season. So... Uh, we are I'm just ready. two days away. Yeah, absolutely. Just two days away now from the Blackhawks season opener in Prague, less than 48 hours. Super excited that hockey season is back. And uh, I think the first thing to start off with is the Blackhawks decisions for their 23-man roster. Mm-hmm. Um, as we roll into that, uh, going through the preseason and training camp, there were a lot of guys who left a lasting impression, uh, even though that they didn't get a roster spot. Uh, some guys that quickly come to mind are Alexi Sorella, Brandon Hagel, Anton Vadine, uh, and Dennis Gilbert. They were all recently reassigned to the Rockford Icehogs of the American League. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though Vadine and Gilbert are still in Europe with the Blackhawks, just in case of anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we'll start with Alexi Sorella, who, of course, was part of that ridiculously lopsided trade with the Carolina Hurricanes <laughs> that also involved Calvin Dahan. Yeah, I mean, what do you say about the trade besides it being a huge win for the Blackhawks? And then also just a, a couple – actually, yesterday, I think, we saw both guys, Gustav Forsling and Anton Forsberg, go on waivers for the Hurricanes. So. Yeah, I mean, that's a great sign right there. Yeah, that's a grand slam, a home run right there. Um, so what you uh, what do you think of uh, Alexi Sorello this preseason, Tony? Sorello, I'm actually really high on him overall. He plays, well. uh, he plays a great two-way game, um, something the Blackhawks really haven't had much of lately. Um, he can score, he can create scoring opportunities, and he can forecheck. I mean, he's pretty much the whole package. Yeah, I saw a, a lot of different things, a lot of good things from uh, Alexi Sorella, who's just 22 years old from Finland. Of course, the Blackhawks also drafted his brother in the fourth round of the 2019 draft this season. Uh, but Sorella, kind of an interesting situation. He wanted out of Carolina, publicly stated that the team was disorganized and no one really knew who was leading there. Uh, and he was pissed about not getting called up. I mean, I kind of understand it. The guy scored 30 goals for the Calder Cup championship without getting called up, even after scoring 25 goals the year prior. Yeah, I mean, Carolina, they have a lot of talent on their team, but I feel like they could have used him. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know what more uh, he has to prove at the AHL level, which is why I thought it was kind of interesting that the Blackhawks did send him down. Mm-hmm. But I do think he's someone that could be up early on the season because, as we saw in the preseason, he does a lot of things well. Yeah. Rocket of a shot. He had a couple nice – he had a redirect goal uh, against Detroit that he mm-hmm. scored, and then he also had another redirect that was uh, waved down for a high stick. So, yeah, seen him do a lot of good things, very versatile, and, and still young. So, mm-hmm. uh, even though he's probably not the happiest being sent back to the American <laughs> Hockey League, I definitely think he's – you know, if Kirby Doc doesn't end up making the roster full-time, I think it's kind of between him and Anton Vadin for the first call-up. Yeah, I mean, that's another question mark right now, too. Doc, he had that concussion. We haven't really heard too much since then. Yeah, um, he's been, I believe he started practicing again, though. Yeah, he has been skating with the team. Uh, doesn't sound like he's going to be playing on Friday, but mm-hmm. definitely sounds like they're going to give him his shot to prove why he should stick around with the big boys. Yeah, I mean, 
I personally would keep him around at least for the nine games because going back to WHL, I don't see that really being a great thing for his development when you could play with men, basically. Yeah, it's it's just kind of a it's a tough spot because I, I don't know how much better he's going to get in, in the WHL. Yeah, that's kind of what I was saying. In a league that he's already, you know, shown that he's good enough to be taken third overall. Yeah, he's he's just kind of in he's kind of in between a rock and a hard spot right now. He, you know, it's it's tough decision for the Blackhawks, but I think ultimately, even if he doesn't make the team, we have some good guys that we could call up from Rockford that could, you know, do well do well in that spot. Yeah, I mean, this off season was basically restocking the AHL pool and even some of the uh, depth positions on the Blackhawks roster. They have a Absolutely. lot of options for sure. Absolutely. As I just said, I think Anton Vadim could be someone uh, mm-hmm. that we could see in that mix. Uh, Vadim, basically a guy that, you know, got his shot and signed with the Blackhawks because of Jeremy Colleton's word as Colleton played against Vadim multiple times when uh, Colleton was coaching in the SHL and uh, Elsvenskin league. Yeah. Um, but Vadim, he, he had a strong preseason as well. Um, yeah. I like him. I, I definitely think he's going to be playing NHL games this season. Uh, and he's coming off a good year in the SHL, 14 goals, 13 assists, and 32 games. And that's mm-hmm. more of a defensive league than the uh, NHL is. So those are actually pretty fairly impressive numbers. Um, yeah. And I think also with Vadim, uh, he's someone that, you know, if the Blackhawks do decide to call him up, he's not someone that has to be in the lineup every night. Like, like someone like mm-hmm. a young Alexi Sorella or Braden yeah. Hagel, as a guy we'll talk about here in a minute. He's I was someone... about to say that exact same thing. He can be scratched and it would be fine. Exactly. It's not something that's going to, you know, hurt, like a hurt a confidence of someone who's like 22 years old and yeah. probably should be in Rockford playing in every situation and getting better in all facets of the game. So mm-hmm. um, I think it's definitely between, Sorella and Vadim if Doc doesn't stick around but I also wouldn't be shocked to see a guy like Brandon Hagel in the mix Hagel yeah he has uh I, I feel like he plays a similar game to Andrew Shaw he, with a little bit of more playmaking upside yeah he um I, I got to watch him firsthand at Blackhawks development camp this season and he was really noticeable like in just about every drill he was having success and then on the final day during the prospect scrimmage he was one of the main standouts like he yeah he looks really sharp and he looks like one of those guys like you just said like Andrew Shaw can go down and grind in the boards can also have a little bit of a scoring touch yeah so he, he's very versatile uh still young but I wasn't all that surprised to see him sent back down as he just turned 21 in August and he has just eight games of professional experience in Rockford after uh he joined the team after finishing the season with the Red Deer Rebels of the WHL last season. Yeah, I mean, Hagel, he definitely has some upside. I see him as a really solid bottom six forward for the Blackhawks in the future. Um, That's exactly what I had. Yeah, maybe with the potential of play on the second line, depending on how the roster is made up, but definitely a bottom six guy for sure. Yeah, exactly what I had. had potential to be a good bottom six winger that can uh, execute in all facets of the game. Uh, I think uh, this is going to be a big year for his development, turning his game into more of a pro style. So I think Rockford was Mm -hmm. the right move for Hagel at this point in his career. Yeah. Plus uh, since he's going to be in Rockford, he'll be playing with his buddy, Reese Johnson. Reese Johnson, baby. The Red Deer Rebels captain from last season. Reese Johnson was another guy. uh, We'll talk about him for a quick second here. He he had a pretty good camp. He's one of those guys that he, uh, even in the WHL playing against, he's an older guy a little bit. I think he's 22 or 23. I, th- uh, I think he's actually 21. I think he's the same age as Hagel. 
really. He could be. Yeah. Um, maybe I read it wrong, but I know he didn't have the offensive success that Hagel did in the WHL, but clearly a leader and someone that uh, yeah is responsible defensively. Even though he doesn't light up the lamp, he's someone that you can trust to throw on the ice. So I think it'll be interesting to see how they develop together. That's pretty awesome that they get that experience in Rockford together. Yeah, I mean, it'll, it's definitely a great opportunity for them. Um, Rockford, they're going to have a really good season. It's going to be really fun to watch them. Super cool today to see Christopher Stieg get named their captain, too. That's freaking awesome. Yeah. Good for Steger. Deserves it. Uh, fifth, he's in his 15th year of hockey. Seen just about all there is to see, you know, whether it's in the NHL or he's played overseas in Europe. So I think he can connect to just about every guy in that locker room, and he's uh, a good leader for – the young guys that are trying to make that next step in Rockford. Yeah. He's going to be really good. He's going to play a key role in helping to develop all these top prospects for sure. And how about those defensemen in Rockford this year? Sheesh. Yeah. We got Nicholas Bodan, Dennis Gilbert, Adam Boquist, Chad, Chris, and even some uh, of the guys that aren't, you know, big name guys like those four, uh, Yoni Tulola and Lucas Carlson, two guys that they both looked, they both look pretty solid in, uh, that preseason game when they got thrown under the bus against the Boston yeah. Bruins. And uh, one other guy that they have recently signed, Philip Holm. He could be a oh my god, I didn't bounce back candidate between NFL, NHL and AHL a lot this season. He slipped my mind. He was someone that had a really precedent preseason. He was yeah. right there with a, a guy we'll talk about in a second, Dennis Gilbert, for pushing for that seventh defenseman spot. Yeah, I like Philip Holm. He's uh, – more of a defensive defenseman, but he can contribute on offense. So that's he likes good. to shoot the puck, which is yeah. what I liked. I saw him in a couple of preseason games. He was putting everything on net. So good to see. Yeah. Obviously, you want to you want to put the pucks on that as much as you can, especially from a defenseman standpoint. I feel like we have <laughs> Keith and Seabrook not doing that enough. <laughs> so yeah, and then with all of the this talent on defense in Rockford, it's going to help out the goalies a lot. Absolutely, that goaltending battle is going to be awesome between uh, Kevin Lankinen and Colin Delia. That's yeah. like not I'm not at all going to say they're Corey Crawford or Robin Leonard, but that's like the interesting situation they have there in Rockford too with a one two punch kind of down there. Yeah, I mean it's it's pretty much a win win, I, I would say. It keeps all the goalies healthy, um, gives them all a, a fair opportunity to get some ice time. And yeah. they're playing behind a good defense. It should just bring the best out of both of them too, which will be awesome for uh the future of the Blackhawks goaltending because Corey Crawford and Robin Leonard both on their last year, their contracts. So um, after the season, you know, we don't really know which goaltender they're going to go after, if they're going to sign either of them. Um, Mm -hmm. It's going to be an interesting situation. So always good to have goaltenders in the pipeline. And then, of course, Alexis Gravel still in Halifax. Yeah. So I think our goaltending prospects are are in good hands, which is awesome to see. Yeah, it's definitely an improvement since what we saw over the past couple of seasons, I would say. Absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, one guy we do need to talk about a little bit that made an awesome push this season, Dennis Gilbert, this preseason, I should say, Dennis Mm -hmm. Gilbert, man, he was uh, really strong in his defensive end and was noticeably physical, which is what we love about him because the Blackhawks really don't have too much of that on their back end. Yeah, they really haven't had much of that at all the past few seasons. Um, Gilbert, he's not afraid to get physical, take a check, make a check. Had that fight um, with uh, yeah. Giovanni Smith during that preseason game. I loved, I loved what he said about that situation because that they asked him about it, and he said uh, he doesn't want to be known as just a goon or someone that can only fight. But he said, "quote unquote," he has no problem answering the bell when someone wants to drop him. I love that. That lights up. <laughs> that lights a fire under me. That's that's just great for team chemistry too. 
Absolutely. So it was really awesome to see Dennis Gilbert push for that seventh defenseman spot hard this preseason. Uh, he was almost rewarded for it. Um, but the Blackhawks decided to keep Slater Cuckoo as their seventh defenseman to begin the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we still could see Dennis Gilbert. Uh, you know, Blackhawks have some injuries on their back end. So uh, yeah. whether Gilbert plays uh, Friday night or not, I definitely think we're going to be seeing him at this point this season. Yeah, right, and then, the yeah, yeah, I would agree. And then Connor Murphy is on the IR right now, so there's a spot open, kind of. Yeah, exactly. So we could be seeing Dennis Gilbert on Friday. Um, but yeah, Dennis Gilbert unfortunately didn't win the seventh defenseman spot outright. Uh, went to Slater Cuckoo, and then that kind of takes us into our next topic, which is Carl Dahlstrom, the 24 year old <laughs> Swedish defenseman that was put on waivers Tuesday afternoon for the purpose of being reassigned to Rockford and was surprisingly claimed by the Winnipeg Jets. Yeah, I mean, that kind of shows the state of mind Winnipeg is in right now. Oh, yeah. I mean, they lost uh, Jacob Truba, Tyler Myers, Ben Sherratt, and Pretty likely Dustin Bufflin. So yeah, t- taking a gamble on a cheap defenseman like Dahlstrom, it-, it makes sense. He only makes 850K for the next two seasons. And looking at Winnipeg's current defense, they have Josh Morrissey, Dmitry Kulikov, Neil Pionk, Nathan Boyu, Tucker Pullman, and then kind of just a handful of unproven defensemen. So they're kind of in desperate need for a defenseman. So the move kind of does make sense. Yeah, I mean, it- it's a quick fix, but it's not really much of a fix, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I think I think they're just trying to uh, patch it up there a little bit, throw some duct tape over over the hole that's leaking. <laughs> yeah, but I would agree with that. They're in a tough spot. I, I thought it was interesting that um, defenseman Christian Ju- Christian Juice was uh, mm-hmm. on waivers, and they decided to go after Dahlstrom. That was kind of interesting to me, especially because Dahlstrom uh, he he played. Well, when he first got called up with Connor Murphy, they had a little shutdown pairing going for like a couple weeks, and then he yeah. really fell off hard after that. Yeah, I mean, you you kind of saw his ceiling last season, I would say. He's still 24, so, I mean, maybe there's some room. He's physical and big, so maybe that's something they saw. But, I mean, even this preseason, there were times where he kind of looked lost in his own zone, which was concerning. Yeah, I feel like – it was okay that the Blackhawks lost him with all of the talent that they have. So it's, it's not a big loss, I would say. Yeah. It seemed like Dahlstrom was a guy that was kind of beginning to fall out of favor in the depth chart. You know, Dennis yeah. Gilbert's emerging. You're going to want to have, I mean, Adam Boquist could see the Blackhawks, this, could see the Blackhawks roster this season. So he's just kind of someone that was, you know, falling into the system and wasn't really excelling to, uh, what the Blackhawks wanted out of him. So he kind of just became expendable at that point. Yeah. I mean, it didn't really cost them too much either. So. Yeah, exactly. So just kind of let him go. Uh, tough to see, you know, always tough to see a guy just, I mean, you know, they're athletes, but they're people too. So it's yeah. going to be tough that he has to go join another club and they start tomorrow or Friday, but uh, wish all the best to Carl. Hopefully it goes well for him, but you know, I think we'll move on and uh, I don't think Stan Bo or the front office is going to lose any sleep over that one. Yeah. This, that was a, kind of a minor move, I would say. Absolutely. Uh, so moving on to our next topic here, which is the Blackhawks opening night, 23 man roster. So breaking down the 23 man roster, we look at the forwards Blackhawks have Kajula Carpenter Kirby doc still making it through another round of cuts. We'll have a little bit more on him in a minute. Alex DeBrinkett, David Kampf, Patrick Kane, Dominic Kubelik, Alex Nylander, Brennan Perlini, Brandon Saad, Andrew Shaw, Zach Smith, Dylan Strom, and Jonathan Taze. 
So looking at those 14 forwards, Tony, let's say uh, Kirby Doc's not going to play on Friday, but let's say if he were to play on Friday, mm-hmm. what lines would you roll with? That's a good question. Um, Doc really hasn't played much with the team, so I wouldn't put him on a top line. I'd have I'm, him on the third, probably. Yeah, that's what I was going to go with. I would go with maybe Doc, Kubalik, and... I had Saad. I had yeah. Saad there. Yeah, that that's a pretty solid line. They, they complement each other. That's what I was thinking. And um, so if the lineup I kind of uh, had jotted down, keep the top six as they are, Nylander, Taze Kane, Debrinket, Strumshaw, I really like the looks of that. Yeah. I had Saad, Doc, and Kubalik on the third line, and then Kajula, Carpenter, and Smith with Perlini and Kampf as the healthy scratches. I chose Kampf as a healthy scratch because he's kind of the question mark on that third line. Uh, he struggled mm-hmm. recently in the faceoff department. I believe yeah. he won only three of nine faceoffs against Eisbären and, and yeah. Berlin. And, you know, he's not a guy that's exactly known for his offensive upside, so – I think that's a guy that's more of a fourth line center than a third line center. So um, if mm-hmm. I'm looking at the Blackhawks forward group, my biggest concern is David Camp at the third center position. Yeah. Um, he's definitely declined in the faceoff dot. Um, yeah. I'm not sure what happened, but he is someone that could rotate in and give you some solid defensive play. So that's, that's yeah. a good uh, luxury to have. He's someone that can kill penalties and don't get me wrong. He's a good um, forward to have, you know, uh, he's a good responsible forward that is going to play a 200 foot game. Mm-hmm. But I just think if Kirby doc does stick around and looks like he's ready for the NHL doc as a third line center, just makes this team so much better. Even if he's yeah. not, you know, like going off right away, maybe like Nolan Patrick was his first year, kind of just learning the ropes mm-hmm. still gives the Blackhawks uh, offensive versatility. And he's playing with a guy like Brandon Saad, who's been around for a while, responsible defensively. So I think, you know, I think that's a good spot for doc. If he, is, if he were to crack the lineup. Yeah. It's a pretty good spot to land. I would say in the lineup, it, he's not going to have the pressure of being a top six forward. He can, kind of learn the ropes as he goes, the speed and mm-hmm. the, the physicality of the game. Um, I think that would probably be the best spot for his development at this time. Yeah, I thought so as well. Uh, also, something I want to talk about, it looks like Brennan Perlini is a guy that's uh, on the outside looking in. What are, uh, what yeah. are your thoughts on that? Brennan Perlini, yeah. It, that's kind of a confusing topic. Um, he, he just has, needs to find consistency. Yeah, he has the talent to be – I would say a second or third line center or second or third line winger, but he hasn't shown it. Yeah, he had that uh, stretch. I believe it was in March um, when Last he had season, that hat. Yeah. yeah, when he had that hat trick against his former team in the Coyotes. Uh, I believe he had a two goal game against the LA Kings as well. Yeah. So I mean, former first round pick, not all that long ago. He, he's got talent to his game. It's just he's never really put together a consistent stretch of games. And I think that's why he kind of finds himself uh, on the outside of the lineup right now. Even, you know, yeah. guys like Drake Kajula or Zach Smith, they kind of provide more to the team than uh, what Brennan Perlini does, or at least that's what Jeremy Calton appears to think right now. Yeah. I mean, Perlini hasn't really done anything to make himself stand out from the pack. Exactly. And, and the Blackhawks have so much depth. So he's, kind of expendable he's worked himself into that position 
Yeah, thank God he's on that cheap contract because if we were, you know, paying him like one point five two mil, yeah. which is what people were estimating that I he was, was going to get, too. yeah, that's what I was thinking too. There were a lot of guys that got overpaid as like depth forwards. I think yeah. one that comes to mind is Adrian Kempe. I believe he got paid like two million this offseason. So I was like, damn, Perlini's getting at least two. And then he got like eight hundred and fifty or like nine hundred or something. I was like, wow. I'm looking at it right now. He got exactly eight seventy four one twenty five. Yeah. So I mean, that's twenty five thousand more than Carl Dahlstrom. Like <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and Dahlstrom's not even like a a big time defense. I mean, Brendan Perlini's yeah. shown more than Carl Dahlstrom has in his career, so Yeah. I mean, yeah. at least he's on that good deal if he's going to be someone that's not regularly in the lineup. But mm-hmm. I, oh, it's just tough to see him outside because he's young and he. I know he can score goals. It's just like he has yeah. to do it. Yeah, it's funny that you compared his contract to Dahlstrom because Dahlstrom's not really anything much of anything. Exactly, and then you know? Perlini actually has potential. Wow, former first round pick. Like, yeah. So that's kind of an interesting situation to keep an eye on uh, over the course of the season, kind of. Where are the Blackhawks mix and match guys? Because as you said, there's a lot of depth on this team. And you look at this team, and there's not a lot of guys that you'd be saying are going to be sent down. Like, I think the only three guys you'd really look at this forward group and say they're going to be sent down are Alex Nylander, Dominic Kubelik, and, like, David Kampf. Like, yeah, not many they, other guys are going to be going to Rockford. Yeah, uh, for forwards, yeah, there's not really many that are going to be rotating between Rockford and Chicago. Um, yeah. I, I think don't it's going to be tough for Perlini yeah. to get his spot. I think it's going to be tough. Yeah. I mean, he's, he might be a healthy scratch like last season. Yeah. So definitely something to uh, keep an eye on. Uh, Brendan Perlini's tough spot for him. Uh, now looking at the seven defensemen, the Blackhawks decided to keep, I think the pairings are, uh, pretty obvious if Calvin DeHaan is able to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, Connor Murphy, as you said earlier, he's not going to be playing on Friday. He's going to be getting. Uh, he's going to begin the year on IR. Mm-hmm. So the pairings I have, you got Keith and Gustafson on the top pairing. That's pretty much a lock. Yeah. Uh, they've been pairing Mata and Seabrook together all preseason, and to my surprise, they haven't looked like dinosaurs out there. Those... <laughs> yeah, I mean, for being as slow as they are, they've been relatively productive. Right? Like, I had the full Jim Carrey, uh uh-oh, gif face look (laughs) when, like, I saw they were paired together. I was like, oh, shit, like, they're going to get torched. But they've actually been solid this preseason. So They've been standing their ground and playing pretty well together. They've had some good chemistry. Was Brent Seabrook playing with defensemen that were too fast for him? (laughs) (laughs) That's so funny. I don't know, but it's interesting to see them work, uh, working well together. So, I mean – all yeah. two of them, if they can hold it down in the regular season, find Seabrook a partner because he's been bouncing around Lions the last three years. He uh, needs some major help. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. And Olimata, actually, I thought he looked really good this this preseason. Like Even in the offensive yeah. zone, I was like, is that Olimata below the dots? I was he like, He was moving the puck and taking shots. I was literally rubbing my eyes. I was like, what is this? Like, who remember, is this guy? Yeah, do you remember? Remember that one where he drove to the net and, like, yeah, dangled yeah. a little bit? You just burned Chad Chris, yeah. who looked atrocious this preseason. Or, no, it was Bodan. That's who it was. He just oh, blew yeah. past Nicholas Bodan, who looked awful this preseason. Yeah, in camp. Yeah, he looked terrible. But, literally, I was like, Olimata just, just walked somebody. Like, <laughs> <laughs> interesting. So, yeah, I mean, hey, if that pairing works, I'm, I'm fine with it. Uh, and then the yeah. third pairing that they have going right now is – 
uh, Slater Cuckoo and Calvin Dehan because Murphy's not going to be playing on Friday. Mm-hmm. Uh, interesting kind of status with Calvin Dehan we saw today. So in his press conference, they asked him uh, if his plan was to be playing on Friday, and he came out and said, "No, I don't think that's the plan at all," which was kind of an odd thing to say based on his yeah. timeline. And then Alton came out and like made it sound like there's still a pretty good chance that uh, Dehan is going to play. So it was kind of interesting to see that they had uh, different thoughts on his recovery process. Yeah. Um, but just based on Dehan's words of him saying, I don't think that's the plan. I, I don't really expect him to play on Friday. Yeah. I mean, he, ha- he already has that mindset where he's not sure. So I wouldn't put him out there. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. And he said this, uh, he said this uh, during training camp that, you know, if he's not ready for game one, there's, there's 81 more games that he's focusing exactly. on. So, and the Blackhawks have a pretty significant break after they play this first game in Prague. So no real rush there, uh, but that could potentially put a third pairing of Cuckoo and Dennis Gilbert together because yeah. Dennis Gilbert is still with the team in Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's super interesting. Uh, I also am curious to see if it is Cuckoo and uh, Gilbert. Calvin DeHaan was skating on the right side with Slater Cuckoo today. So hmm. I'm interested to see who would be playing on the right side there between Gilbert and Cuckoo. Not yeah. really sure. Yeah, I'm, that that is a good point because – Dahan and Cuckoo are left-handed. Gilbert's Actually, left-handed. Gilbert is too, yeah. So yeah. they got an interesting dilemma right there. Yeah, I'm not sure uh, if Cuckoo or Gilbert have any experience playing the right side in their career. Uh, so that's something definitely to watch out for if Calvin Dahan is not able to go on mm-hmm. Friday. Yeah, that, that'll be something to watch. Um, and then looking at the goaltending position, Tony, um, they haven't named a starter yet for Friday's game, but I would personally have to go with Corey Crawford starting over Robin Leonard opening night. Yeah. Uh, both goaltenders have been solid this preseason, but we both kind of agreed that it's Corey's game. He, he's earned this, and he's done nothing this preseason to suggest that he's not the crow of old. Yeah, he's actually had some pretty solid showings this preseason, and it's his – spot to lose exactly that's what i'm saying i mean even last season when his numbers were bad but it's not like he was playing bad right you know? it was the defense in front of him allowing 40 shots a night the worst <laughs> penalty the worst penalty kill of all time that was literally so, a historically bad penalty kill unit yeah well i'll definitely uh i got something written down we'll talk about that in a little bit the penalty kill oh man <laughs> But, yeah, even in a season like last year, I thought Corey was fine. I didn't think Corey played yeah. bad. His numbers suggested that he did, but he really didn't. So I think it, it's his net to lose, and I don't even want to really word it that way because it's not really losing the spot. It, yeah. It's going to be good for the team to have both goalies coming in. It's going to relieve them of you know a, a heavy workload, and they both can hold their own. So I think it should be uh, should be good for the team. Yeah, um, we were kind of talking about the, the game split. It could be fairly even, but I'm expecting Crawford to maybe get a, a couple more games over Leonard. Um, that way, they'll both stay healthy. They'll both get a, a good opportunity to play behind this new defense, um, build a little chemistry, and go from there. I think Robin Leonard is going to sadly learn that he's not playing behind Barry Trotz's defense anymore. Yeah. It's going to be a little, going to be a little different than last season, but yeah, definitely not a, a bad problem to have not knowing which goalie is going to be starting on which night. Um, mm-hmm. Really? I do really believe that the Blackhawks have the best goaltending duo 
uh, in the National Hockey League, maybe um, Pekarene and UC Saros. But yeah. I, I mean, I would definitely rather have Robin Leonard than UC Saros. So. Yeah, I mean, I feel like he's a little bit more proven. He's played fairly well on some pretty bad teams. Yeah, even his numbers uh, in Buffalo before he was with Barry Trotz and the Islanders last year, he didn't really have any um, atrocious seasons. He's shown yeah. uh, that he can hold his own in the net despite you know who's in front of him. He, he's a Vesna, Vesna candidate from last season, so mm-hmm. you know that he's a skillful goalie. And uh, on any night, we're going to be rolling with a quality goaltender, which is going to be awesome to see because we've had some goaltending problems when Crawford's gone down the past couple of years. Yeah, and if you look at the past when it comes to goalie tandems, when the Blackhawks have had two really good goalies, they've gone really far. Yeah, I mean, you look at uh, Scott Darling in 2015, uh, Ray Emery in 2013. I don't. I think he mm-hmm. went undefeated that season. Maybe lost like one game. I think I, I could be wrong. I want to say he was. Undefeated I thought he went undefeated. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he went undefeated. Which is yeah. like, holy shit! You have an undefeated bag of goaltender. <laughs> Yeah. And then um, can't forget Antti Ranta. So, I mean, those are all quality guys, and that's how you have a good team. You have depth everywhere. Uh, next guy up mm-hmm. mentality. Injuries are part of the game. It's a physical, fast-paced game. Guys are going to go down. That's just the reality of it. And uh, always good to have someone ready to go that's uh, more than qualified. Yeah. Uh, to be honest, I think they took Crawford t- for granted a little bit because they didn't have a true backup for a little bit. Yeah, no, they definitely uh, expected him to go out, play 60 games and be, you know, the Corey Crawford that we have seen the past six, seven years. And as he's getting up there in age, that's just not that realistic anymore, especially uh, in today's NHL goaltenders are starting to get less and less starts. Something mm-hmm. that's crazy to me. You look at a guy like Roberto Luongo back in his days with the Canucks, he used to start 70 games a year. Like <laughs> what? Like, what are you doing? Yeah. No wonder y'all didn't win a cup. (laughs) Yeah, because then you play 70 games and then playoffs on top of it. Yeah, you're going to go play 20-plus grueling games of playoff hockey where, you know. Could be going to double OT. Exactly. So, awesome that the Blackhawks have goaltending depth for the first time, uh, probably since Scott Darling left. Uh, I think we both agree that uh, Corey Crawford should be getting the start on Friday. Yeah, I would say he's the starter by default at this point. Absolutely. So it'll be interesting to see uh, exactly what lines and what players the Blackhawks decide to roll with on Friday noon, uh, Friday afternoon versus the Philadelphia Flyers. So, Tony, now let's get into uh, a little bit of the fun stuff here. We're going to get okay. to some Blackhawks predictions and some uh, Central Division predictions. So okay. we'll first start with the Central Division. Uh, let's talk about what we think the standings will look like uh, at the end of the regular season, where you see uh, the Blackhawks in the mix between uh, Nashville, St. Louis, Dallas, Colorado, Winnipeg, and Minnesota, Tony? So I see them probably – okay, so I would say Colorado is my number one central team. And then I would say Nashville is right behind them. And then this is where the Blackhawks come in because they could be the third team or they could be the fourth team. It kind of depends on how the stars play, I would say. Yeah, I had it as I had Nashville at one, Colorado at two, St. Louis at three, and then okay. I think Dallas and Chicago are going to be that tough four spot. Uh, Dallas loaded up with uh, Joe Pavelski this offseason. They also got Corey Perry. 
uh, another year of uh, Miko uh, Heiskanen progressing. Mm-hmm. They got a good defense out there. They got uh, what's his name? I can't think. Um, goalie Ben Bishop. They have Ben Bishop in that. Yeah. So I think. I mean, I definitely think that the Blackhawks they have the potential to be a, a playoff team, but it's not going to be an easy road. Yeah, definitely not. I, I would say Central Division is the toughest. Absolutely. Looking at that division, um, I mean, even though we just talked about Winnipeg doesn't have uh, a very good defense, they still have the offense that, like the Blackhawks last season, the Blackhawks almost snuck into the playoffs because of their good offense. Yeah. So I don't think Winnipeg's a team that anyone would have jotting down making conference finals or cup or anything. But there's someone that could also push for a wild card spot. So that just kind of shows you yeah. the depth of this division. Uh, I think it, it really comes down to um, the Blackhawks' defense and their special teams. I mean, they should get incredible goaltending all season long, no matter who's in that. Mm-hmm. The offense theoretically should light it up once again with all the talent up front. So I, I really think it's all on the defense and the special teams, Tony. Yeah, I mean, really, in the NHL, you'll – basically go as far as your defense takes you and your goalies. Absolutely. Um, looking at talk, talking about that um, special teams penalty kill last season, worst penalty kill ever. And Stan Bowman clearly, <laughs> clearly wanted to address that uh, brought in Calvin Dahan, Oli Mata, Ryan Carpenter, Andrew Shaw, Zach Smith, all guys that can go and play on the penalty kill. So that was good to see. Definitely don't think we'll have the worst penalty kill in the league again. Yeah, it'll definitely be better than last season, at least. Can't get much worse. Uh, <laughs> and then looking at the power play, um, once Eric Gustafson got on that top unit and was reeling and dealing, they were moving the puck well, and they showed their potential, uh, especially that top group. Yeah, I mean, that power play basically had five forwards on it. Yeah, absolutely. And then I think a big difference maker this year is we got guys, uh, offensive-minded guys that can play on the second unit. We got – we saw Dominic uh, Kubelik hammer home a one-timer a couple weeks yeah, ago. That was a, sick to he's see. He's a laser, laser Yeah, show. he's got a clap on him. And then you can have Alex Nylander uh, on the other side. You can have mm-hmm. uh, Andrew Shaw or Brandon Saad in front of the net. Mm-hmm. Um, don't necessarily agree with seeing Keith and Seabrook on the second unit again. But yeah. I don't really know. I mean, Ole Mata looked offensively decent this preseason. I wouldn't say he's seen very many power play minutes in his career, but mm-hmm. – Keith and Seabrook are at that point where even the last like two, three seasons, it's hard to watch them on the power play. Yeah. I, I wouldn't be opposed to seeing Dehan get some power play time. He's a good puck mover. Yeah. He can move the puck. Well, um, not really a goal scorer. I think he's had one goal in each of his last two seasons. And of yeah. course his one goal last season came against the Blackhawks. I remember that. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Right. Um, but uh, there's definitely, we know, uh, the potential that first unit has, and there's still some potential in that second unit. So I think the power play is going to be good uh, like it was in the second half of last season. And mm-hmm. I think if they're good in those two departments, they're going to be a playoff team. I really think so. Yeah, I feel like really what has held them out of the playoffs is number one, defense, and number two, special teams. Absolutely. It's been not – you know, special teams are – it's a part of the game where – you know, you kill a big penalty. That's momentum for the boys right there. And we didn't see that enough last season. And and then on the flip side, power play, you've got to take advantage of your opponent's mistakes. Um, and we saw that a bit in the second half, which is why the Blackhawks were such a good team in the second half of last season. So I think that's definitely something uh, 
that they're going to focus on. And I, I think Jeremy Colleton and Stan Bowman, the whole front office were on the same page that we need to shore up that aspect of the game. Yeah, I would agree with that. And this season, they can't have Patrick Kane out there for the full two minutes. He got burned out at the end of the last season. He had some ridiculous shifts last season. Didn't he? I, yeah. I think he played like played like 28 minutes. I remember one game against New Jersey when we got smoked. Mm-hmm. I was like, what are you doing playing <laughs> forward 28 minutes? Like, what are we doing out here? And he is 30 years old now, so that's not a good thing. You can't have him playing that kind of minutes and expect to be a very good hockey team. Like, he's no by no means he's on a decline or anything, but he's, no, not at, at, all. he's at that age where you got to be responsible. Kind of got to, yeah, I kind of got to keep in mind that kind of stuff. Absolutely. So, those are some areas uh, the Blackhawks definitely uh, hope to improve on this season. Uh, I, I really think this is a year where the Blackhawks take a big step in the right direction. They're, they're not cup contenders yet. They're a couple pieces away, but it's a big year for their development. Uh, guys like, you know, Dylan Strom, Alex yeah. Debrinkit, guys that could be taking their game to the next level. And with all these prospects in the pipeline, um, you know, this is kind of where we solidify this group. And something I wanted to bring up real quick right now is um, kind of super interesting to see what happens with the Blackhawks uh, and Eric Gustafson and all their defensemen this season with the expansion draft looming and Gustafson yeah. needing a new contract after the soft season. Yeah, I was actually going to touch on that topic right now. Since you brought up Debrinket and Strom, they're betting on themselves basically right now with their new contracts. Yeah. Um, so it'll be, to wait. it'll be interesting to see how the season goes for them. Exactly. And looking at the cap space that we have, um, we kind of, you know, we don't, we can't pinpoint exactly what they're going to be making because we don't know how the season's right. going to go, but we kind of have a rough estimate of the money they're going to be making. And looking at that, it just seems that there's no way to fit in a guy like Eric Gustafson, especially after recording 60 points last season. Yeah. I think, you know, if the Blackhawks don't get out to uh, the first half that they want, I think Eric Gustafson's someone that could very well be gone by the trade deadline. Yeah, I'm not really envisioning a Blackhawks future with Eric Gustafson in it. Especially Um, with all the young offensive defensemen that are going to be coming up. Yeah, I mean, he is a great offensive defenseman, but he can't stop any pucks in the defensive zone. And you can't give the big bucks to a guy who can't handle the pucks. He He's, you know, uh, kind of a one-sided defenseman, which is kind of weird to say. Yeah. But um, exactly. He's not a guy that he's going to get money. He's going to get decently big money. Him. Someone will pay him. Yeah. Um, so, it's just not going to be the Blackhawks. There's just no way that's going to happen. And instead of letting a guy like that just walk out of there come, you know, July 1st, I think that we could definitely get at least something for Eric Gustafson along the lines that could help this team. Yeah. So Gustafson will be some name to watch come end of January and February. Yeah, absolutely. And and even, um, even if you take Gustafson out of the picture, there's a lot of prospects coming up and we can't protect all our defensemen, even without Gustafson. Right. So I think, you know, I, it's tough because I like both. I like Connor Murphy and I do like what I've seen out of Oli Mata so far, but yeah. I just don't know if there's room for them because we're going to have to protect uh, Keith and Seabrook and we're going to take, we're going to keep DeHaan over them. 
you know. Yeah, basically so, all of the no movement clauses are all protected. Exactly. So it kind of puts the Blackhawks in a tough spot. So, I, I mean, I could even see someone else being possibly moved if things head in the wrong direction or even in the offseason before free agency hits. Yeah. Um, if they do deal Gustafson, that is Boquist opening. Exactly. That That's exactly what I think. Boquist, uh, I'm not going to say he's going to come in and score 60 points right away. No, probably not. But he's someone that could, you know, fill the shoes, super young, um, actually just got rated as one of the top six prospects to watch the season. Mm. So uh, I don't, I forget who put out that article for uh, NHL.com, but someone did, I, I read it earlier. So um, obviously we know, like we saw what he could do in camp and during the yeah. preseason, he's got loads of talent. Yeah. And to be honest, you're not losing much defensively by swapping him in for Gu- in Gustafson's spot. Yeah, not you know that's not something that you're gonna look at and you're gonna be like, oh man, that's a major hole. That's a big hit on defense. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, I think Eric Gustafson, someone that is very movable, uh, and, and someone else could be as well. It's all something to uh, keep an eye out for the season. It makes for a bunch of interesting storylines for sure. Yeah, uh, def- defense will be something everyone's watching this season. Absolutely. It's going to be the talk of the Blackhawks. Uh, now looking at the Blackhawks and uh, their players specifically, uh, the Athletic had an interesting piece come out for over-unders for the Blackhawks this season. So I'm kind of going to uh, take take you through those and we'll kind of give uh, our opinions on whether they'll be uh, over the number or under the number. Yeah, sounds great. All right. We'll start out with Patrick Kane. They have him at 100 points, Tony, over or under. Hmm. He had 110 last season after recording just 76, which I can't really even yeah. say just just 76. That's not like just 76 <laughs> points. Right. But he did have 76 the year prior, and he uh, failed to record 100 the year before that as well. Mm-hmm. Well, I think since he's going to be a top-line winger, I would say over. I would agree. I would agree as well. I think, especially if him and Jonathan Taze are going to be paired together for the long run, mm-hmm. I think Patrick Kane's going to continue to have offensive success. I don't know if he'll hit 110 like he did last season. Yeah. But I think he's uh, for sure a candidate to get around 40 goals, and he's one of the best passers in the game. He seems to be either yeah. picking up a primary or secondary assist on like two thirds of the goals the Hawks score. So, yeah. Uh, I would have to agree with you on over. I think. Blackhawks have even more offensive talent than they did last season. So I think he'll continue to produce right around the same level he did last season. Uh, And also one more thing I wanted to mention with, with Kane. Um, If Carlton decides to put Kajula on that first line again, he has a really good shot at a hundred. They move the puck. Well, and I mean, um, that's actually super uh, relevant that you brought that up. I wanted to talk about how, in 2010 and 2013 for the Stanley Cups, Patrick Kane was playing with Jonathan Taze. You look at who was their top line. Who was their top line winger when they played together in 2013? Brian Bickle. Who was their yeah. top line when they won the cup in 2010? Dustin Bufflin. Yeah. Not guys that, you know, Buff at that time wasn't exactly an offensive wizard. He came out of, you know, came out of nowhere in the conference finals against the Sharks and absolutely buried them. Yeah. But those are guys that, you know, they're not lighting up the stat sheet offensively. They're more grindy and physical, but they're playing with skill. And that's something you need uh, a mixture of for sure. Yeah. That kind of 
combination is a great compliment for Taze and Kane. More specifically, Taze, because that frees him up to play more offense. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think Patrick Kane hits the over once again. Mm-hmm. Uh, moving on to uh, the next one, we got Alex Debrinkit here. Uh, Debrinkit uh, had 41 goals last season and 28 in his rookie year. The over-under they had for Debrinkit was 38 and a half. Are you going over or under? Hmm. 38 and a half. I would, uh, yeah, that's like right on the, the borderline right there. Um, I'm going to go over. I like his chemistry with Strom, and if you add Shaw to the mix, that can help him out too. Yeah, I have a hard time choosing this one because I yeah, definitely think I definitely think Alex Debrinkit is a guy – I mean, he scored 41 goals in his sophomore season last year. But it's just tough for me to say if he'll do that again. I mean, you look at the Blackhawks, and they they should you know only gain chemistry on that power play. Yeah. And another year of Debrinka and Strom, they should only get better together. So I'm gonna go with the over as well. But I'm a little has yeah I'm a little hesitant. I'm more hesitant about that one than I am with Patrick Kane getting 100 points. Yeah. The reason why I said over the 38 and a half is because he is a great power play player. Yeah, and Patrick Kane loves throwing that cross-seam pass. That Ovechkin play. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and Debrinkit's showing in the second half of last season, he started to show that he can get that backside one-timer down. Yeah. So that's an important aspect of the power play. You need to be able to uh, move the puck and put the puck on that quickly when you have the man advantage. And that's something that Debrinkit seemed to uh, continue to get better with last season. So Exactly. Uh, I think he definitely could hit the over. There's, I'm, I'm not like questioning Alex Debrinkit's game or anything. I'm just more so questioning that it's 39 goals. You know, it's a lot. Yeah, it is a lot, but he has done it, so it's possible. I'm, yeah, I will agree with you. I will say the over, and I really do hope Alex Debrinkit hits that. I would love uh, it. Moving on to the next guy, we got Jonathan Taze here. They set Jonathan Taze. Uh, over under at 73 and a half points. He recorded 81 last year with career highs across the board, 35 goals, 46 assists. Uh, but he failed to record 63 seasons in a row prior to last year. So what do you think about Jonathan Taze? 73 and a half over under. 73 and a half for Taze. That also dep- depends on who his line mates are. Um, if he's with Kane, I like his odds. So I will go, you said 73 was the 73 and a half. Yes. 73 and a half. So I will, 74. Yeah. I will take the over. I'm going to go with the under here and I'm going to say the under, not because I don't doubt Jonathan Tays' offense, but I mm-hmm. think last season he felt like he had to do more offensively right. because of the team around him. So I think, he's going to get right around that 70 point mark, which is still absolutely fine. Yeah. Um, but I think he's going to be last season. Uh, he had the worst, uh, possession numbers of his career. Oh, um, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, so I think he's going to get back to a little bit more of a Jonathan Taze type more fully defense. rounded game. Um, but I still think definitely if he's playing with Patrick Kane, he's going to be right around that 70, 75 point mark. So even if he does yeah. get, 
um, better in, you know, his possession numbers and becomes a little bit more, uh, can't even say more responsible defensively. He's about as responsible defensively as they come. But if he focuses on that a little bit more, I still think he could even hit that 73, 74-point mark. But I'm just going to say under because yeah. uh, this was this was just kind of a little bit of an uh, outlier so far in his career. Yeah, yeah, that is a good point. Um, I will stick with my over, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's a little under. I wouldn't be surprised to see it go either way either. Yeah. So hopefully Johnny um, has another season like last year and, uh, you know, has uh, another 80-point season with the Blackhawks having success uh, in mm-hmm. both both offense and defense. Yeah. Um, so the next one we got here is Duncan Keith. They have Duncan Keith. The over-under is at 42.5 points. Keith recorded at least 42 points eight seasons in a row before recording 32 and 40 in the last two seasons. So what are your thoughts about Keith at 42 and a half? 42 and a half. I'm going to take the under on dunks. Yeah, I was going to take the under on dunks as well. Um, He's, you know, kind of, a shell of what he was at this point. I love Duncan Keith. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, guy's done everything for the city, you know, playing 30, 32 minutes a night in grueling playoff games against, you know, some of the biggest players in the league, but that takes a toll on your body. And I think yeah. we've definitely seen the best uh, offensive games out of Duncan Keith. Uh, they've already happened in the past. So I'm going to go with the under two. Um, especially because he really hasn't contributed all that much on the power play the last couple seasons. Right. Uh, he did have 40 last season, so he, he brought that back up after, after having 32 the year before. Uh, I wouldn't call it crazy to say he records around 45 points, but I would say it's definitely more likely that he is around the 35-40 mark at this point of his career. Yeah, I, I pretty much agree with that. So, um, Keith... Uh, he he's just he's in a tough spot because he's going to have to play number one minutes and he's still going to get opportunities because of that. He's a first but, liner or first pairing, yeah. Yeah, exactly. He's going to be playing on the top pairing all season long, but I don't really know if you know that's the best spot for him anymore. But whether he likes it or not, or whether we'd like it or not, that's the spot he's going to be in. Yeah. So when he you could look have, at the rest of the defense. That's probably his spot. Exactly. So he could have success. Could be uh, a little bit more than. Uh, he should be handling at this point, but uh, it will be interesting to see where he ends up this season. Uh, I think this is his, I don't even know what season this is for him. Maybe 14 or something along those lines, man. I can't, he's 33. So maybe 12, 13. It's a lot of games, a lot of games. Yeah. So that'll be something to keep an eye on Duncan Keith and his uh, durability throughout the season. He is 36. Yeah, 30 oh, – I, I was thinking of Seabrook. Seabrook's 33, 34. Slightly um, older. Yeah. Um, so, a lot, lot, uh, lot of hockey under his belt. Yeah, a lot of miles. So, that's what we have for Duncan Keith. The next guy we have, a very interesting player for the Blackhawks this season, Alex Nylander. Hmm. They have his over-under fairly low, but I kind of understand why in a sense. Right. So his over-under is at 33.5 points. And that's definitely due to, you know, the surrounding – the questions that surround whether or not he's truly ready for the NHL game. I mean, he hasn't really been all that impressive in the American Hockey League the past couple seasons. 
But he is going to be playing with uh, Taze and Kane. And even if he's not playing with Taze and Kane, he's more of a guy that's going to be playing in a, a top six role. He's going to be playing with offensive-minded guys. Mm-hmm. So um, I, that's a tough number. What, what are your thoughts on that 33-and-a-half mark? 33-and-a-half for Nylander? Huh. Well, if he's anything like Sakura, he might not get it. I know. That's why I'm hesitant. <laughs> That's the question mark I have. Um, 33 and a half. If he, I think he can hit it just based on assists. So I'll take the over. He's going to be playing with skilled players all season long. It's just whether or not he's going to be up at the NHL level all the whole season. time. Right. Exactly. So I'm going to be optimistic and I'm going to say the over as well, just based on who he's going to be playing with. Yeah. But um, I don't know. It's just weird. I, I watched Alex Nylander in person this season at, at development camp and clearly, clearly super skilled. He's surprisingly, he's, I think he's bigger than a lot of people think he is. He's very, mm-hmm. very shifty and able to body defenders in the offensive zone. But at times there's a lot of question about, you know, his intensity and, and his drive and mental aspect of the game. And, you know, that's, that's half the battle in hockey right there. So, yeah, that's I think partially why they Buffalo moved him. Exactly. Um, it's a tough one. I'm going to go with the one. over. I'm going to go with the over because I'm going to be optimistic and hope he's slotting <laughs> on that top line all season. Yeah. But I wouldn't call it crazy if he's, you know, playing some AHL games again this season. Yeah, it really depends on where his landing spot is. Yeah, so Nylander, he's going to get all the opportunity in the world. He, it's just whether he can, you know, remain consistent for uh, an 82-game NHL season. Yeah, he just needs to take advantage of what he's been given. Absolutely. We got another interesting one here. We got Kirby Doc. They have the over-under at 5.5 games. I mean, they said that Doc will get his chance to prove that he'll belong in the NHL. Mm -hmm. It does kind of seem a little bit – he's in a tough spot as well. It's a little premature just because of the concussion, and he didn't really have a training camp or preseason or anything. So at five and a half that does games, hurt him. I know at five and a half games, I just don't have that feeling. Ugh, I just don't have that feeling. I'm I'm gonna hit the under here. I really am. I, I I agreed with you earlier that I don't know if Saskatoon's the best for his development. Yeah, but he's 18. Didn't have a preseason or training camp, but there's definitely still a chance he comes out and you know shows he's an NHL caliber player. Yeah, I mean. I, I, don't get me wrong. That's I'm hopeful tough. the guy sticks around. I'm hopefully sticks around. Yeah, I would like uh, I'm, that. I'm a big Kirby Doc guy. I was, you know, I was one of the few people that didn't lose their marbles when they didn't take Byron or Turcot Turcot third. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm gonna five I'm gonna and go, a half. Yeah, what are you thinking? Five and a half. Hmm. I'm just thinking if they don't keep him on the NHL roster now they could bring him back at the end of the season and then play him nine games. Yeah. It's so uh, that's, that is still tough though. Um, five and a half. It's a tweener. Yeah. Five and a half. I'll go over. I understand that. I definitely think, you know, he could, that's not unrealistic by any means. It could go either way. That's what I'm saying. That was, that was, I think my toughest one out of all these. I, yeah. I, I just I just don't know. I just really don't know about Kirby Doc. I haven't seen him play. I haven't seen him yeah. take contact. You know, he looked great at development camp, but that's against a bunch of kids. So that's players his age. Yeah, exactly. So 
Um, I hope Doc sticks around for the long term, but uh, I don't think many people would be shocked to see him head head back for just one more year. Yeah, I mean, even though it's not the end of the world, it's not the end of the world. It's not, and even if he heads back, it won't hurt him. Exactly, it's not. You know, it might not be the greatest thing for his development, as we said. But it's also, I don't think it's going to force him to take a step back. I think he's just going to be out there toying with a bunch of kids that aren't capable of hanging with him. Right. So that's definitely a situation to keep an eye on, especially uh, with Kirby slated to make his uh, NHL debut, you know, sometime in the near future. So that'll be super under? fun to watch. I, I am going to go with the under. I am. Okay. I'm, I'm, it's tough, but I'm going to have to on that one. Uh, last one we have here, the Blackhawks, over under 92 and a half points. They were one of the best teams in the NHL in the second half, and if they can find consistency, they very well could be a playoff team, but there's that word could right there. Yeah. There's a few question marks that we haven't seen them answer yet. Um, they had 84 points last season. So... You think they're full? I definitely think they're four wins better I, i'm gonna take the over on this one i think they're more than four wins better than last season what was the over under mark 92 and a half 92 and a half yeah i i would say over very slightly yeah i don't expect them to be pushing towards the 100 point mark but i think 90 to 95 is exactly where the blackhawks are gonna be at and yeah. i'm gonna i'm gonna take the optimistic side here and i'm gonna go with the over i think 94 is right around where i'd project them to be yeah, I was thinking between 93 and 95, to be honest. Yeah, so um, that would, you know, theoretically, we don't know how the, you know, the conferences or the division is going to be, but that right. theoretically puts them right there to be uh, in the mix for a playoff spot, certainly, which would be awesome to see the Blackhawks return to playoff hockey after missing out the last two seasons. Yeah, I missed my hockey in the summer. Yeah, absolutely. Seasons have been cut. <laughs> have been cut way too short for my liking. I'm sick of watching St. Louis Blues win the goddamn Stanley Cup in Missouri. It's <laughs> awful. Tony, yeah. that was literally one of the worst things I ever had to watch in my life and just get berated because all my yeah. friends know I do this podcast. I'm a big Blackhawks guy, and I'm just stuck in the middle of being poked every day <laughs> by the one time the Blues are actually good. Yeah, I mean, we were stuck in a very tough position as Blackhawks fans in that Stanley Cup Finals. Who do you root for? I'm rooting for the Bruins. Like, are you kidding me? I never root for the Bruins. Yeah. It was awful. It was awful. (laughs) That was lose-lose for sure. So let's hope, you know, the Blackhawks – that could be also uh, – if the Blackhawks perform well and maybe snag that three spot, going to be tough. But Mm -hmm. that would be uh, maybe a potential first-round series, St. Louis-Chicago. Yeah. That would be – some good playoff hockey. I've missed playoff hockey, man. I really hope we get back there. It would be great for the city. Absolutely. We need to get back there. Uh, we expect a lot of this organization and there's a lot of pressure on everyone. So hopefully yeah. uh, that pressure motivates everyone to get back where we feel this team can be, you know, this season. Yeah, really, when it comes down to it, it depends on how well everything and all the new faces gel together. Yeah, and I, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful for this team. And it's going to I really think it's going to be a fun year. So I'm actually excited heading into the season compared to the last couple. Oh, yeah, definitely more optimistic than, than the last couple seasons. <laughs> um, so I think uh, they're, they're right on that cusp. And that's, I mean, that makes for a fun season, though. You know, last season, I don't think many people expected very much out of the Blackhawks. Low expectations, at, yeah. Exactly. 
So it's good to have high expectations and going into the hockey season with uh, some hope of progression and, you know, getting back, just as I said, getting back to the hockey that Chicago deserves. Yeah. It's been a while since we've had a solid team on offense and defense. So I'm really looking forward to see how everything comes together. Absolutely. So let's hope for the best for the Blackhawks this season. Um, Hopefully they hit that over on the 92 and a half point mark. Um, So yeah, that's going to wrap up the over unders that we have here. Uh, Last thing we have here to wrap up the episode, a little prediction of Friday's game versus the Philadelphia Flyers. Mm-hmm. Flyers are coming off an embarrassing four to three loss to Lausanne HC. I think I'm pronouncing that right. Of the I'm National sure. League, <laughs> yeah, nah, uh, could, could be could be butchering that one. Right. Um, but they're in the National League and they beat the Flyers four to three. Uh, and 21 year old goaltender Carter Hart was pulled, so it'll be interesting to see how he handles the Blackhawks' tough offense in the season opener. What are your thoughts on the game? Yeah, it'll be interesting to also be playing overseas in that soccer atmosphere. Yeah, super um, cool. You got to see a little bit of that in the game against the Ice Barons, I believe I pronounced yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Ice Baron. I don't know. Ice Baron. I know they were called Ice Baron. Yeah. They were, um, they were like the Polar Bears or something. I know their mascot was a Polar Bear or something. Yeah. Um, I like the Blackhawks' odds in this game. Um, I do as well. Yeah, I mean, I think the Blackhawks have enough forward depth finally and enough scoring overall to take this one. Absolutely. Uh, What I had written down was looking at these two teams, uh, both of them not really exactly known for their defense. The Flyers, they did add Justin Braun and Niskanen on the back end, uh, but Mm -hmm. they did lose Radko Gudis. So I say just like the Blackhawks, they're kind of uh, a middle-of-the-pack defense. So I kind of have the feeling this is going to be more of an offensive game. Uh, We know what the Blackhawks have uh, with their forwards. Flyers have Giroux. Voracek, Konechny, uh, Couturier, Vans, Reemsdijk, and the recently overpaid Kevin Hayes. They so, have uh, Patrick too, right? He will not be playing in the oh, season opener. Okay. He's out with an injury. He got injured, I think, uh, either in practice in the training camp or in one of their final preseason games. So he will not be in the lineup. That's a little hard uh, for them. Yeah, kind of tough, especially in his third year. But uh, I, I do think this is going to be a high-scoring game. I think it's going to be uh, – an offensive show for the fans in Prague, which should have them just yeah. as rowdy as we expect. Uh, and I'm going to say the Blackhawks win this one 5-3. Uh, to three. That's what yeah. I had. A little yeah, offensive I, game. I wouldn't be surprised if it's that high. I was going to say 4-2 to two in favor of Chicago. Absolutely. So, um, should be a super awesome, uh, awesome game and just an awesome experience opening the season in Europe, which uh, the Blackhawks did back in 2009-2010. And uh, they want to see me go that year, so I'm not saying, but I'm just saying. Let's keep that in the back of your Who mind. knows? Who knows? But, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, uh, yeah, I think that is going to about wrap up this episode of Talking Hockey. Uh, super awesome to get back to recording and getting the second season going. Uh, as always, thank you to all the listeners out there. We appreciate it more than you guys know. Make sure to give the podcast a follow on Twitter if you don't already. It can be found uh, on Twitter at Talking Hockey. So, Tony, thank you so much again for taking the time to join me tonight. It has been fun as always. Glad we got to get back together, partner. Yeah, best time of the year is here, and I was glad to do it with you tonight. Absolutely. So we got some Blackhawks hockey on Friday. Should be awesome. Couldn't be more excited for the season. So from Jack Bushman and Tony Janeris, that will do it for this episode of Talking Hockey. Make our defense great again, and go Blackhawks. Let's come out with a win on Friday.